0: Welcome to another episode of our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Visit our website for complete collections of your favorite old-time radio series. Remember to follow us so you won't miss new releases from SolvedMystery.com. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. The non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first.
1: Sam Spade, Detective Agency.
2: Sam, sweetheart. Any calls?
1: Only one, Sam. Lieutenant Dundee of Homicide. Mm -hmm. He wants you to drop around so they can get your formal statement.
2: No hurry, not now.
1: He told me what happened, Sam. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, so am I.
1: I guess he was one of your oldest friends, wasn't he?
2: You don't make any friends in this business, Effie. You can write that in your book now, and I'll give you the rest of it when I get there.
1: You sound tired, Sam. Wouldn't you rather just... What, baby? Well, go home and, you know, just put it off until tomorrow
2: Yeah, maybe I... No. No, I'll get it off my chest tonight. Stay there, Effie. I'll come on down and dictate my report on the Dick Foley caper.
0: Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. No two ways about it, folks. Hair that's well-groomed can make all the difference in the world to a person's overall appearance. That's why so many men, women, boys, and girls are turning to the famous non-alcoholic hair tonic with lanolin, Wild Root Cream Oil. Wild Root Cream Oil grooms your hair neatly and naturally, relieves dryness, removes loose dandruff. If you haven't tried it before, you'll want to get Wild Root Cream Oil in a new 25-cent get-acquainted size. Yes, get Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men and women and children, too. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in The Adventures of Sam Spade.
2: Nuts.
1: Oh, here, Sam, let me.
2: Am I that shaky?
1: Say when...
2: Just to the top of the glass.
1: Now, that's enough. You'll spill it? Yeah. Sam, what you said over the phone about not making any friends in this business, you didn't really mean that, did you?
2: Forget it. You can label this, oh, you know, a file on Dick Foley. Date, fill it in. Yes, Sam. To uh, Dundee at Homicide, I guess, from... Uh, Samuel Spade, license number 137596. The facts are all here. If you can dig a formal statement out of it, you're welcome. I'd known Dick Foley ever since I took out my license. We'd worked several big capers together back in my days as a continental lot. He and Mickey Linehan and I. Then he and Mickey opened their own office, Foley and Linehan, Private Investigations. Five years back, Mickey stopped the slug, and since then, the sign on the door read, Dick Foley, Detective Agency. I'd seen Dick maybe four or five times in the last half a dozen years just to have a drink and chew the fat about the good old days. He never talked about his private life. I assumed he didn't have any. So when I went to his office the day before yesterday in response to his call, I was surprised to find him in a clinch with one of the most beautiful nails I've ever seen.
3: Oh. Oh, Oh, Sam. Well,
2: well. Shall I uh, come back after lunch?
3: Oh, uh... Uh, Sam, this is Maxine, my wife. Well, you don't deserve it, but I'm happy for you.
4: <laughs> I'll return the compliment, Sam. I've wanted to meet you for years, but Dick wouldn't introduce me.
3: Now you know why. Hmm. Well, uh, you run along, honey. Sam's here on business.
4: All right, Dick. You can bring Sam home to dinner if you like. There's plenty.
3: If he's not too busy, but don't count on that.
4: Well, try anyway, won't you, Sam?
3: I will indeed. Bye now. Draw up a chair, Sam. Hmm? Sit down
2: Oh. Uh, What's on your mind, Dick?
3: You remember Claude Spicer, that grifter I sent over for that jewelry store hike back in 43? You never told me you were married, Dick. I'm very happily married. Now, please pay attention. Uh, uh, Claude Spicer, yeah. Yeah, I remember the caper. Wasn't there a dame involved? Well, Spicer had a girlfriend, but the the cops gave her a good bill of health. Spicer went up for a five-year stretch. They sprung him last month. Whatever happened to that dame? Uh, Now, look, about Spicer... He gunning for you? You hit it. How scared of him are you? Well, enough to ask you for help, Sam.
2: What's eating him? Just revenge?
3: Sam, I wouldn't tell this to anybody but you. But all the facts of that caper didn't come out at that time. Uh, I, uh, saw to that. How come? Well, I couldn't have stayed in business in San Francisco if it'd been generally known that my partner was the inside man on that jewelry store heist. Mickey? Yeah, Mickey Linehan. Ah, you and I are both great at choosing partners, Sam. They both deserved what they got. Only one difference.
2: I sent up the killer that plugged my partner. Some people thought the way you gave evidence at Spice's
3: murder trial wasn't so hot. Well, he was alibied, Sam. In fact, the robbery was his alibi for the murder. I don't know how he managed it. I've been trying for five years to figure it out. Spice is afraid I might succeed someday. That's why he's out to get me. What's he waiting for? Oh, I don't know. He won't do it simple. He'll have a fancy plan like the other time. He's tricky. Where's he staying? At the Belvedere. Here's his mug. I kept a plant in the building for a couple of days, but he stayed holed up in his room. I think he spotted me. Okay, Dick, I'll give it a buzz. Now, wait a minute, Sam. Yeah? I'm not asking you to do this for love. Standard fee, 25 and whiskey money. Okay? Forget it. This one's on me.
2: In the elevator on my way out, I studied the picture of Claude Spicer on the old police circular Dick had given me but a picture in the back of my mind kept getting in the way. It was Dick Foley's wife, Maxine. When I hit the street, I still saw her face before me, and it was no picture, only pretty as.
4: Sam, I waited for you. I've got to talk to you.
2: My pleasure. Shall we uh, confer in an adjacent cafe?
4: Whatever you say. Only I don't want Dick to know.
2: Then you shouldn't have married a detective. Please, Sam. How's this? uh, Black watch. Yeah. Looks dark enough.
4: Well, that booth in the corner, it's secluded.
2: Why not? Slide in. Oh, no, over here, stupid, not facing the street.
4: Oh, sorry. I'm not much good at this sort of thing. Sam, I'm not asking you to tell me what it is, but if he's in really bad trouble, I think I have a right to know.
2: What makes you think he's in trouble?
4: Well, I'm not blind. You can't live with a man and not sense it when something goes wrong.
2: I never thought Dick was the type to show it.
4: Oh, hes he's tried to hide it from me, and I haven't said anything. I thought if he wanted me to know, he'd tell me.
2: It was a wise thought. Hold on to it.
4: Well, I meant to. But then a terrible possibility crossed my mind. Sam, it isn't me, is it? In what way? Well, you know what I mean. He's been away from home nights so much lately, and he questions me so closely about where I go and who I see and so on, and I... Well, I may as well ask you right out. Did he hire you to check up on me? Then that is it. No. No. You're not lying to me, Sam. Why should I? Dick says you're almost his oldest friend. He's talked so much about you.
2: Then he must have told you I don't do that type of work.
4: Why do you keep looking at me if...
2: Sorry, trying to place you, Maxine. I keep thinking I've seen you someplace before.
4: Oh, it must have been my picture. I was an actress.
2: Yeah. Picture. Yeah, maybe that was it.
4: Why do you say it like that? Like what? Well, as if you were angry with me.
2: Because I just got the caption on the picture.
4: Well, Sam, wait.
2: Yes, I had, and the caption was from a newspaper circa 1943, and it read, Actress Lovely cleared in Lanahan Slaying." I flashed my tin star at the room clerk at the Belvedere, learned that Claude Spicer was in, and stuck around to make sure the clerk didn't buzz the room to tip him off. Around 4 in the p.m., Spicer went out, very dressed up, umbrella, gloves and all. He walked down Geary to Grant and turned north. A cold San Francisco drizzle started blowing up from the bay. I wished I'd brought my overcoat. A half a block up from California, he entered Grayson's jewelry store. I peeked through the rain streaked show window after him. Inside, pawing eagerly through a tray full of diamond clips while a long-suffering clerk eyed her hopelessly from his side of the counter was the actress Lovely. Maxine shot Spicer a quick glance of recognition as he entered, but they didn't speak. He took up a pose of gentlemanly patience, shrugged his eyebrows sympathetically at the clerk, and leaned elegantly on his umbrella while Maxine found fault with every piece of jewelry that was shoved in front of it. The bored expression left his face only once. That was when the clerk opened the vault and brought out some unset stones. Their act may have been fooling the clerk, but it was as plain as the nose on Spice's face, a very plain nose it was, that they were sizing up the joint for a pushover. Maxine left first. He stayed long enough to buy a cigarette lighter and then followed her out. As I took out after him, I stopped to read the sticker on the inside of the glass door. It said, These premises protected by Dick Foley Detective Agency. Maxine was waiting for him at the corner. I grabbed up a Chinese newspaper and used it to listen behind. Him, but I needn't have
5: bothered. They didn't seem to care. Well, are you happy? Ought to be about a million bucks.
4: Why are you so disagreeable? You ought to be feeling good. Feeling
5: good? Feeling good? 5 years stretch, I come out to find my girl married to the joker that sent me up?
4: You didn't think it was such a bad idea at the time. Well,
5: I do now. Well, after tonight, we'll go east, you and me together, baby.
4: He'll catch up with us wherever we go.
5: Oh, you should live so long.
4: How do you mean that?
5: Just like it sounds, baby. Bye.
4: Oh, don't leave.
5: I'm gonna get some sleep. I'll need a clear head.
4: Claude, I, I don't want to be alone.
5: Oh, not even tonight?
4: I don't want to be alone.
5: (laughs) See you later, honey. Bye-bye.
2: He went straight back to the Belvedere, no stops. Picked up his key at the desk, no messages, took the elevator to the eighth floor, let himself into room 809, hung out the Do Not Disturb sign, closed and locked the door behind him. I kept a plan on it till around midnight. Then I lifted the Do Not Disturb card from the doorknob and wedged it into the crack of the door. It was a crafty move, and I had just finished doing it craftily when the door opened again in my face.
5: Huh? Who are you? What are you doing here? Uh,
2: uh, nothing, sir. Uh, I... I'm making a survey. What? Uh, I'm from the Trotter Pole. Trotter Pole. It's like the Gallup Pole, but we're not in so much of a hurry. Yeah? Just uh, kindly answer this question. As a Democrat, do you believe... Do we, huh? <laughs> I picked up the Do Not Disturb card and wedged it back into the crack of his door. As any house dick knows, except, of course, Tiny Stover, the night paper at the Belvedere, if anybody opens the door like that, the card will fall out and somebody will always hang it on the knob. Another thing Tiny doesn't know is never to draw to an inside straight. We played nine different kinds of poker until 5 a.m. when I thought I'd go up and have another look. All was quiet on the eighth floor. From the elevator bank, I could see room 809. The morning paper was shoved under his door and my do not disturb sign was apparently where I had planted it. I tiptoed up to make sure.
5: Huh? Who are you? What do you want?
2: Uh, me? Uh, the paper boy, sir. Your morning paper.
5: You get around. Well, well. Good news in the paper, sir? Interesting, interesting. Jewelry store heist up on Grant Avenue.
2: Oh, yes, sir. Our paper only comes... What? (laughs) I grabbed the paper from under 805. It was the headline I could have expected if Spicer had left his room without my knowing it. Grayson's jewelry store, the shop he and Maxine had cased that afternoon, had been taken for an estimated million bucks in uncut gems. But Spicer's door hadn't been opened, and there was no other exit. I sat down and thought. And what I thought of was that that sticker on the front door of Grayson's said, these premises protected by Dick Foley Detective Agency. When the 6 a.m. Oakland ferryboat felt its way blindly out of the slip, Claude Spicer was aboard, and so was I. Should have been getting lighter, but it wasn't. The fog was thickening over the harbor, and most of the passengers were inside drinking coffee. Spicer didn't go in. He climbed up to the boat deck and stood at the rail under the pilot's house. I planted between two wet paint signs and waited. Not for long. I couldn't make out any features on the man who came up and joined him. They stood face to face, not more than a foot apart, and talked in voices that couldn't get to me through the racket of the foghorns in the harbor. What spoke loud enough for me to hear was a gun. They seemed to fall into each other's arms, then collapsed in a heap on the deck. And when I got to the spot, only the dead one was there. It was Spicer. The other man had disappeared around the corner of the deckhouse. A ray of light from the pilot's window swept over him, and I saw a gunmetal shine in his hand and then spin out over the rail as he threw it.
3: What? Oh, it's you, Sam. I was afraid you'd lost him. What did you do it for, Dick? I had my reason, Sam. Now, trust me, I'll keep you in the clear. How long? As long as I go on playing
2: sucker for you? What do you think I hired you for? Maybe I was supposed to say you killed him in self-defense. Maybe I was supposed to see him making passes at your wife if you needed that. But, Sam, you've got to... I've worked for killers before. I've even worked for thieves. But not for a detective that knocks over a place he's supposed to be protecting. Sam, it's not a simple... Save it for the cops, Dick. I'm turning you in when we get to Oakland.
3: No, you're not, Sam. Dick, come back here. Let go of me. Come I'm going over the side. If you try to stop me, you're going with me.
2: He fought away from me, got one foot over the rail, and kicked out at me with the other. It caught me on the point of the chin. I stumbled forward and grabbed out blind. I must have caught him by the belt just as he jumped. I remember something pulling me halfway over the rail and trying to get free of it. I did, but not soon enough. I was in midair, and the black water came rushing up to meet me.
0: Makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. Now, here's important news on good grooming. If you want the well-groomed look that helps you get ahead socially and on the job, Listen. Recently, thousands of people from coast to coast who bought Wild Root Cream Oil for the first time were asked, how does Wild Root Cream Oil compare with the hair tonic you previously used? The results were amazing. Better than four out of five who replied said they preferred Wild Root Cream Oil. Remember, non-alcoholic Wild Root Cream Oil contains lanolin. It grooms the hair naturally, relieves dryness, and removes loose, ugly dandruff. So if you want your hair to be more attractive than ever before, get the generous new 25-cent size of Wild Root Cream Oil, America's leading hair tonic on sale at all drug and toilet goods counters. It's also available in larger economy bottles and the handy new tube. Get Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men and women and children, too. By the way, smart girls use Wild Root Cream Oil, too. And mothers say it's grand for training children's hair. And now back to the Dick Foley caper. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade.
2: I found myself mechanically keeping afloat somehow and trying to get out of my coat. I felt heavy and logged as if I'd swallowed gallons of water. The murk hung low and thick. There was nothing else to be seen anywhere. I swallowed what felt like several more gallons before I got rid of the coat. From out of the misty fog blanket, from every direction, and a dozen different keys, from near and far, fog horns sounded. I stopped swimming and floated on my back, trying to determine my whereabouts. After a while, I picked out the moaning, evenly spaced blasts of the Alcatraz siren. But they came out of the fog without direction. It seemed to beat down on me from straight above. I was somewhere in San Francisco Bay, and that was all I knew and I suspected the current was sweeping me out toward the golden gate. And a light came up ahead of me suddenly. A boat passing a few yards away. I lifted my head and screamed. But the boat siren crying its warning drowned out my shouts. It went on past and the fog closed in behind it. Then I heard a new sound, seagulls. I swam towards it and it seemed to get lighter. Part of it was the dawn light beginning to cut through the fog blanket. But there was also a strange-looking man standing on the water and waving a green lantern back and forth. I yelled at him to wait for me, and a seagull got off his hat and flew away. When I got closer, I saw that it was not a man, but only a buoy, channel type. I used all the strength I had left to drag myself up on the base of it and let it rock me to sleep.
3: Hey mate, uh, oh. course some more of the brandy into a Gus.
5: Yeah, here, get some of this done. <coughs> Where are we? Hey, it ain't heaven. You can tell that by the smell.
2: Oh, Fisherman's Wharf.
5: Yeah, take it easy. We got ambulance coming. You going to the hospital? No,
2: no, no. I'll, I'll be okay. Hey, give me a hand.
5: Yeah, okay. Hey. You do us a favor, will you? Don't fall down till you get out of sight this time. We're tired of picking you up.
2: I thanked the two kindly old fisherfolk for their interest in my welfare, totted up the pier, fell into a taxi, and went home. While I soaked out some of my aches and pains and chills, I did some stewing about the caper so far and stewed up enough anger to carry me through to the finish. I checked the Coast Guard for news of Dick Foley. They told me his body hadn't been recovered yet. I got dressed and went over to his office. The cops hadn't been there. I went through the file cabinet. And what I found under Foley private had me so interested that I didn't hear Maxine come in until she closed the door.
4: What are you looking for?
2: You, baby. I'm for you.
4: Oh, Sam. Come here. Oh, Sam.
2: Hmm. Nice,
4: huh? Oh, uh, holy... You dirty...
6: Now, don't
2: be mad, you... Maxine. A gun makes a woman bulge in the wrong place.
4: It's not my gun. We'll see. Sam, I...
2: Shut up. Now, starting with the rap Spicer went up for, the same pattern. The way you worked, this one tells me how you worked it the first time. You, you get something on a private detective. The first time, five years ago, it was Dick's partner, Mickey Linehan. Yeah. I don't know what Spicer had on him, but I do know he forced Dick to knock over Grayson's jewelry store last night. I
4: won't listen to you.
2: Okay, I'll talk to myself. I'm not saying you killed Mickey Lanahan, but Dick did frame an alibi for you, didn't he? Didn't he? Oh, you're
4: hurting me. Good.
2: Try spending a night swimming around in circles in the middle of the harbor sometime. See how you like that.
4: All right, it's true. Dick did help me out of that old jam. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm proud our love was that important to him.
2: No, Spicer. That same old double-cross. Only this time, I'm standing where Dick did five years ago. Dick was set up as a patsy the same way Mickey Lanahan was, but he got smart and pulled the trigger first. Stop it. Stop it. Where did that hurt?
4: <laughs> you fool. I love Dick. Yeah. I loved him. That's something you can't understand, but it happens that way, no matter what people are.
2: You sound as if you really mean that, but you're a little late, aren't you?
4: He's not dead. I'm sure he isn't.
2: If he's not, he's really in trouble.
4: What do you mean by that?
2: I found something here in the files that Dick left, just in case Spicer got to him first. What is it? A confession to Mickey Linehan's murder.
4: That's impossible. Were you there? What are you going to do with
2: it? Turn it over to the police.
4: But if he's still alive... It still
2: counts, unless he shows and revokes it, but I don't think he will.
4: Why?
2: Because I won't back up a self-defense plea on the of shooting.
4: But you were Dick's friend. You were his friend. I wouldn't
2: ask him to do it for me.
4: Then what can I do for him? I'll do anything, anything, anything at all.
2: Well, if he stays away, he's as good as dead. If he comes back, you'll get a jury trial. And if there are more men than women in the panel, he'd probably be acquitted on your testimony alone.
4: Do you really think he might have a chance?
2: For the jury, there's always a chance.
4: But where is he? How can I get word to him?
2: Well, if he's not fish food by now, there's one sure way of smoking him out.
4: Something I can do?
2: Nobody else. Well,
4: please, tell me anything.
2: Sign a confession of your own. Confession? Not Mickey Linehan's murder or anything they might nail you for. Swear that you shot Spicer. What? You can always renege. Make both of you look good, sacrificing for each other. How about it?
4: Uh, all right. Tell me what to write.
2: I did. She signed it, I had Effie dispatch it to all the papers and news services, and then I brought her down to the hall. Naturally, you didn't believe a word of her confession, Bundy. but when I took you aside and explained my stratagem, you endorsed it heartily and had her booked. She pressed my hand and thanked me. The look of resignation on her face was so real, it was hard to believe she was faking. When she turned her back to follow the matron down the corridor, I saw why... In the back of her coat, there was a smear of white paint. I remembered the wet, the wet paint signs on the Oakland ferry boat. <laughs> Dick Foley gave himself up an hour after her confession hit the street. Screamed and yelled at everybody in homicide, trying to convince them that Maxine was innocent and he should take the full rap. But I'm afraid I queered that when we confronted him with the autopsy surgeon's report. He tried to bluff
3: even then when he read it. Tell ended right Side between third and fourth ribs, penetrated left lung. Pellet B, pleural membrane, side wound punctured. Well, so what, Sam? All three on the right side, angling up, you see. No! I don't know why you even saw me on that boat. You saw me throw the gun over Oh, cut it out, Dick.
2: What I saw was in the dark. But you two men were facing each other directly. If I were going to drop a man fast at close range, face to face like that, I would not put the gun in my left hand, twist it around, straining my wrist in the process, and pull the trigger with my thumb. Unless I were left-handed, double-jointed, and a trickier shot than you are, I'd blast him straight through the middle.
3: All right. All right, yes, it was Maxine. Well, that's good.
2: Maybe you can get cured now. Why don't you open up some more? Let me put it down like it was business. All right, sir. Number one, Maxine killed your partner, Mickey Linehan, five years ago. Probable motive to eliminate him and send Spicer up for it.
3: Yeah, yeah, she... She didn't figure on Spicer being smart enough to confess to the robbery, and that alibied him for the murder.
2: Two, you perjured yourself to clear Maxine of the murder. Motive, to prevent the truth about your partner from coming out, and Maxine, who was motive enough for anything. Cut it out, will you? Sorry. Three, Spicer forced you to team
3: up with him on the jewelry heist. How? How? Well, he threatened to make a full confession as accessory to Mickey's killing. I would have put the whole works on Maxine and leave him in the clear. Yeah. Can't be tried twice for the same crime. Four.
2: You decided to rub out Spicer, whether you could beat the rap or not, and clear the books once and for all. So you pretended to play along with him, told Maxine to do the same, and called me in as umpire.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm... Sam, I'm sorry, I... Why couldn't you lay off Maxine? Why did you have to... Oh, I thought you were my friend.
2: And that's about it. Period. End the friendship.
1: Oh. You mean the confession that you tricked her into making turned out to...
2: That's it, Effie. Oh.
1: What'll happen to him? Hmm? What about Dick Foley? Dick?
2: Dick? Oh, well, they got him on a number of things, I suppose. May take some time out of him. But I think he'll be an okay guy again.
1: With her out of the way.
2: With her out of the way.
1: Sam.
2: Uh, go and type it up, will you? It's late. I'm going to get out of here.
0: And now, listen to this. When it comes to hair tonics, the best friend of the family is Wild Root Cream Oil, Wild Root Cream Oil grooms the hair neatly and naturally, relieves dryness, removes loose dandruff. Now, you can get America's leading hair tonic in the new 25-cent get-acquainted size. Also, ask your barber for a professional application of Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men and women and children, too. Well,
1: here it is, Sam. I know how you must feel, so I won't... What's your hurry? Well, I thought, uh, well, you know
2: how you always feel. Look, sweetheart, Dick Foley was a private dick. So what?
1: You mean you can bring yourself to talk about it?
2: Sure. Go ahead, try
1: me. Well, uh, Sam, it seems terribly complicated. I suppose because Mr. Foley was in the profession and thinks like you do...
2: Up to a point, Effie. What's bothering you?
1: Well, why did he call you in? You, another private detective, and he knew how smart you are and all, and...
2: Yeah. I don't know, maybe he thought, well, if I turned up anything, I'd look the other way.
1: Do you think that could ever happen to you, Sam? (laughs) That's a clever phrase you dictated. He called me in as umpire. That's baseball. But if he was so clever, why didn't he win, Sam?
2: His mistake, Effie, was trying a quadruple play which has never been heard of in the history of baseball or crime. All he wanted was to bat Maxine home safe. But it usually figures when three men are out, the side retires.
1: Oh, well, I don't understand baseball, Sam.
2: Well, that's all right. Football will be here soon anyway. Oh, but I don't... Good Good night, Levy. I...
1: Good
2: night, Sam. Good night, sweetheart.
0: The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Duff. Loreen Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dowd. Musical direction by Lud Gluskin, with score composed by Renee Garrigan. Join us again next Sunday when author Dashiell Hammett and producer William Spear join forces for another adventure with Sam Spade. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to. Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You say it's not alcoholic, Charlie made with soothing lanolin, you better get wild root cream oil, Charlie, start using it today, you'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie, keeping all the gals away, hiya, baldy, get wild root right away. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.